Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. I'm here with Rebecca Corbin, and she is Dr. Rebecca Corbin, but everybody calls her Becky. So Becky is with NACE, N-A-C-C-E, and she's going to tell us what that stands for. Becky, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Chad, for inviting me. So NACE stands for the National Association for Community College Entrepreneurship. Very long name. Entrepreneurship is a long word. Um, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk to you about um, my personal story. And as I mentioned to you a little while ago, it really intersects with the work that I do every day um, that I love doing. It well, I love that. I remember entrepreneurship when I was younger. Uh, I actually stitched together some pillows in the word entrepreneurship. And so I guess I knew even at a very, very young age that I was built to be an entrepreneur. So I applaud what you're doing. I think in the world today, it's more important than ever. Uh, with what's going on geopolitically and all over the world, uh, we all can be entrepreneurs, right? And represent ourselves as a, as an entrepreneur. So this is going to be a really cool conversation. Well, Becky, what I like to do to start is I, I asked this question, and this one's kind of new to the show, and that is if other people in your uh, orbit, uh, so to speak, other people in your world, um, what would be the three words you think they might use to describe you in, in their knowing of you and being friends with you? Yeah, that's a great question. I may steal that question, <laughs> actually, for our podcast. Uh, and I thought about it this morning as I was thinking about talking to you. I think uh, one word would definitely be resilient. I, I think that is one of the, the attributes that I bring uh, to the to work and to my family life every day is being resilient, meaning when life throws you challenges and, and you know, you have both, you know, good things and, and difficult things, um, I always seem to muster the courage to um, the, to rise again for, for another day. So that's one word. Um, the second word is joyful. I, I really strive to cultivate joy in my life. Um, you know, despite the context you mentioned, geopolitical, some of the sad things, some of the challenging things, I think regardless of any situation that you're in, um, striving to cultivate joy. So I think people would say that. And then the third thing would be purpose-driven. I, I uh, read a book, you know, many years ago, I'm sure you've read it too, um, The Purpose-Driven Life and the work that I do with colleges and students and faculty. I think when we can find our purpose, 
um, that really puts us on a path to sort of live out um, what we're in the world to do. And I think people that know me, whether they, uh, you know, are, are thrilled with the, the job that I do or not, would, would um, say that I am a purpose. I love person. it. And yes, I have read the book. In fact, we went to that church when we lived in Southern California for a while. So got oh, to see Rick Warren wonderful. a lot. And then one time I met him on an airplane, funny enough. So. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And, and remember, wow, the three that's, opening that's words, it's not about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. That's a, that's a blessing for you. So I like to go back um, in time and kind of help our audience get to understand who you are by asking the question, when you're five, six, seven, who who was Becky Corbin then? Like, what was your passion? What did you enjoy doing when you were that age? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I was thinking about being the middle child of three children. I had an older sister, um, an Irish twin almost. We're about a year apart and then a younger brother. And we used to do a couple of different things. We too were entrepreneurial, although I did not know that that word, I didn't know what that was, but we were always kind of planning garage sales. We didn't have a lot of money. So we were always sort of strategizing on, um, how we could do that. But we love to play school, and I remember I love to be the teacher, which is interesting that my job now is in higher ed. And the other thing I was really interested in was money. I just loved, you know, counting money, and I, you know, not in a greedy sense. It just fascinated me, um, you know, coins and things like that. And I, I think, you know, to some extent, my job running NACI, I have to make sure that we're cash positive. And as a development officer uh, over many years for different organizations, you're, you're trying to um, not so much sell a product, but you're trying to invite people into sort of a larger mission than themselves, whether it's supporting, um, you know, a cause or if it's, it's investing in student scholarships or something like that. So I had not thought about that, Chad, till I was reflecting on your question. But I think about this. And I think, you know, sometimes really thinking back to who you were at that time really kind of informs us on some of the life choices that we make. And I never thought about that before. So yeah, that's you. excellent. It, it, it is amazing how the, the thread between then and now and the future, there is a common thread, whether we like it or not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of Yeah, us. well, that's yeah. true, too. It's the best version of yourself. That's what I always encourage people to do in an authentic way. You know, try to always strive to be that best version of yourself, which is, is being an authentic yeah, person. Right. And, and those threads too, like you said, they, they connect us back to who we, we truly are. So this one's also kind of new uh, to the show and, and I've had fun with it. If your younger self were in the room right now, sitting across from you and going, you know what, Becky, we did it. Um, what do you think your young, would your younger self, what would the, what would she tell you about your current life and say, you know what, you're exactly where you should be. Or would she say, you know, I thought you'd be doing a little more of this. You know, what do you think the gap would be from your younger self to, to right now and what you're doing today? Yeah, gosh, that's such a good question too. I think my younger self would be more accepting of, the person that I was, you know, I, you know, as a child of the seventies and, you know, becoming, you know, a young adult in the mid eighties and, and so on, you know, I think I always felt a bit like an outlier. I felt a little bit different than other people. Like, you know, would think about things. It always seemed to me in a different way at times. And I always felt that that at times made me less than that. I always wanted to be like, you know, fitting in. And sometimes 
the things that I would want to do or the ways that I would approach problems were different. And I think, you know, my younger self or, you know, reflecting back, I would have said, you know, just be you, you know, be the best version of you. When you, you make mistakes, that's part of the journey is just have faith. And, you know, as long as it feels like you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing, you're surrounding yourself with good people, you're making the world a better place. That's enough. It, it does, the other stuff will fall into place. Yeah, that's amazing. If, if everybody can follow that, it just, it becomes so smooth and, and frictionless. Um, I'm considering writing a book called Frictionless because that's, that's what it is when you recognize that that's how life can be. Well, if I could share one other thing too, I don't know where I heard this or read this, but it just resonated with me. It said the greatest cause of human suffering is chasing a dream that's not meant for you. And I, I think about that all the time because I'm a, a reader and I'm always, you know, trying to, you know, trade sort of in this business of innovation and higher ed. And I think when I think about myself at certain times along the journey, if I started chasing a dream that wasn't meant for me, if it was a job or if it was sort of an educational path, um, it does create a lot of misery because, you know, sometimes the, the, the walk and what we're meant to do in life you know, you have to have that frictionless sort of surrender. You know, you have to show up and do the work. Um, but thank you for letting me share that because I was thinking about yeah, that Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, next question is the buzzsaw moment. This is one of my favorite questions because everybody has them and many people have more than one <laughs> buzzsaw moment, meaning, oh, <laughs> that really was a stinger. What – um. What can you share with our audience that you're comfortable sharing that was just tough for you at the time? And then, you know, now that you're through it, looking back, it became a gift later in your life. Well, that's kind of like a little bit of a painful question. Like I, I was thinking about that in terms of buzzsaw moments by the decade. Right. Um, and one I thought I would share, I've shared it in the past and sometimes it would make me sad, but I, I think I've come to terms with it. Um, also goes back into my childhood. So I, I shared with you a moment ago, I was one of three children. So I was a middle child. So there's all, all of that, right? The people write about the middle child. What was unique about my situation is my younger brother, Jeffrey, um, was diagnosed with a, a very serious illness when he was five years old. So I was two and a half years older. So I would have been, what, seven or eight years old. And what happened was he would start falling down all the time and they didn't understand. And I remember as I'd be like, come on, you know, you're, you're just, you're clumsy. You're falling down. Well, what we found out later, which was absolutely devastating to my parents and our family at the time is he actually had a form of muscular dystrophy called Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And so you might recall as a young person, you know, watching the Labor Day telethon. And so that kind of became a part of my family's life. And so our journey uh, and anybody who has experienced illness, regardless of what it is, knows that that can be life changing. So as a child trying to process what that meant, because my parents were upset and the message that they delivered was, well, you know, your brother's going to have to go into the hospital and have some surgery. And oh, by the way, he may never graduate from high school. And so I remember trying to understand like what that meant in the context of, you know, what would his life experience be like? And so 
I thought as a young person, well, we can beat this, you know, because I, I was naive and, you know, maybe those qualities that I shared with you earlier. And so I would just, like I said to my sister, I, I said, you know, what we need to do is just do a lot of exercise and we're going to like ride our bikes and we're, you know, we're going to just, you know, beat this disease. And there are much better treatments now. And so people are living longer. But I think what I wrestled with as I got older was the realization that, you know, a progressive disease like that, you know, my father used to take my little brother swimming. We did all the things, right? Um, but unfortunately, at some point, the disease used to come to it, right? So you have to learn sort of this journey of acceptance, which I don't think at, at the time I still sort of struggled with it. I, I couldn't really accept it. But it does have sort of a, a beautiful silver lining because I'll tell you, my brother did graduate from high school. In fact, he graduated from college even. Um, and he became, before he, um, before he passed away, which he was almost 30 years old, my youngest child was an infant, um, he published a, a book of poetry called Reflections of a Growing Man. And I think about that story, and I'm kind of jumping ahead on your, your question, but to me, it was the gift of having that, you know, like in retrospect, you think, oh my gosh, I would not want to ever have anybody have that, that experience. But it was so impactful to me. And I think about him all the time. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a picture of him in my office. He's, to me, he'll always be 30 years old, right? Or, or he'll be younger than that because he didn't live as long, but he, he did so much in his life. And, and so I think when I think about other buzzsaw moments, which I won't go into on this program in my own life, I would think back on that and I would think about how that makes us a better person and how it makes life richer because it's not really the length of your life. It's how much you enjoy each day. So that's my buzzsaw moment. And I got through it without crying or being sad. So that shows growth wow. on my part. I mean, I, I thank you for sharing that. It, my cousin is mentally retarded and she's two years younger than me. And I, I always thought as a kid, similar thing where it's like, wait, she'll just grow out of it at some point. And, you know, she was probably 10 and she had the mindset of a two-year-old and now she's my 46 probably. And she's, I don't know, mind of an eight-year-old or seven-year-old or something, maybe, maybe less. And, um, and yet I look at her and she smiles all the time. And, you know, I see pictures and she's had problems with liver and, you know, dialysis and stuff like that. And yet uh, if you were to really go inside her mind and think, Kelly, on a scale of one to 10, how happy you are? I'll bet you she's a nine and a 10 all the time. And, you know, perception's reality. Um, and then my son was in a, in a burn accident in February of this year. And he's, he's healed now, like his face, hands, second, third degree burns. It was bad at the time. And then God miraculously, total healing power. But when you asked him on a scale of one to 10, how, how painful is it? He's like, probably a three or a four. And then they're like, well, we can't give you any meds unless it's a seven or an eight. He's like, oh, no, no. Then it's like an eight. But it's all relative. <laughs> you know? it's, it's like we, we all kind of create what the scale is of pain and joy and happiness. And so much of it is, is in our minds is pretty, pretty wild. Well, I think thank you for sharing that, too, because I think. Like I told you my one idea about the cause of misery. I think another cause of misery is sometimes comparing ourselves to other people or what we think 
is like the ideal family because who hasn't thought that? You know, I, I mean, I was I was spending time not too long ago with a really, really good friend of mine. We've been friends for 25 plus years. And I was telling her about an experience and I, I was walking around the neighborhood and I was like, gosh, I feel like I'm such an odd, like this odd consortium of people in my life. And then I thought, you know, I bet everybody feels like that to some degree, you know, to, to greater degrees or not. But I think the blessing of your family member and, and, and mine and, and others that we could talk about is they don't know what it feels like to feel less than. They, they just embrace, you know, who they are. And I think to some extent, those are gifts that, uh, quite frankly, none of us would ask for because it's hard being the parent or the relative or whatever, um, to a certain extent. But I, the older I get, the more I, I truly, truly see those as blessings. I would also like to say that the people that work serving others in healthcare and in, you know, um, services that serve people with disabilities are just, you know, are just some of the most compassionate, kind people I've ever met in my life. And, and I think, you know, that, that, that again, helps affirm our faith and in, in humanity and in God too. Big time. Well, you know, on day seven of COVID, I got to a point where I just, I had to go to the hospital. My mom, my wife took me into the hospital and I was worried because, you know, you hear of people going in for COVID and it could not end well. And I'm like, all right, I surrender. I have to go in now. And right when you go in, I mean, the angel, the nurses were like angels. Like they're just the show. And, and with my son's burn accident, I mean, it was just they really are like angels. It was such an amazing experience. So I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Um, let's see. This one, you've kind of shared a little bit of it, but I like to ask it anyway because it's so profound. When did God undeniably show up for you? Because some people hear him. Some, I just talked to someone this morning who's the CEO of, of a chapter of Girl Scouts of America. And she said God laughed with her about something. Another person said God cried with her about something. Um, what about for you? Like, does he talk to you? Does he? Where does he show up? How does? He, when does? When has he undeniably showed up for you? I I think that's beautiful, and I think for me, when I feel most connected um, to God and you know my higher power and, and all of that is when I'm in nature and I am a tree lover. I have my tree pin on today. Um, I just love trees. I love being around them. I'm on a unique tree Facebook site and I love the stories of trees. Like if you think of like the redwoods, how they interconnect their roots to one another. And I feel like when I'm out in nature and it's quiet, I, I feel like I can really hear, but it's not like a, you know, like a direct download I think I just, I feel close to what the beauty of life is and problems don't seem as big to me. And what I do is a practice of, I, you know, we have a pandemic puppy, so that's a whole other episode. So anyway, the good thing it's done is get me out walking at least, you know, three to four miles a day. And I think that time of just sort of showing up and having a practice and just trying to listen and sort of develop a relationship. Um, I took a class. Um, you know, we moved. I think I shared that with you earlier during uh, the pandemic. We moved from New Jersey to North Carolina. 
And so we joined a new church and I was raised as a Catholic. This is not a Catholic church that we go to, but I took this class because I wanted to better understand what is their philosophy? What are they doing? And one of the things I took away from the class was really to try to develop that relationship. So it's not like an ATM transactional thing. My child is sick. You know, I'm upset. You know, so-and-so needs a job. And and that's a lot of, I think, where prayer and things like that have, t- people tend to sort of center in on it that way. But um, I don't know if it's answering your question exactly, but I think to me, I try to really make it part of my life. And, and that way, I'm not only just sort of having a dialogue, but I'm listening. And, and mo- many times, many, many times, an- answers will come to me from nature. I'll see a beautiful bird fly through the trees, and it just makes me happy. Or one time I saw this beautiful albino fawn, and I was upset about my daughter. for She was having some difficulties in school, and all of a sudden I'm driving home, and I see these twin fawns. One's a regular one. One is just this beautiful albino fawn, which I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And I felt like that was a sign. It was a sign that it's okay if we're a little different, but, you know, that 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 it's okay. So yeah, I don't know if that's what you're looking know. for, but that's I mean, what I have. Like for us with the move, there's always questions. Am I doing the right thing? You know, and every time that question comes up, I happen to be walking out my back door and I'm like, oh. And there's the best sunrise you can ever imagine. And it's happened like three times. And you just go, wait a second. This is like HD 8K level amazingness. And and it just validates that you're you're on the right path. So that's neat. And you have to take time to look. I looked up the other day and I put this on Facebook. I looked up in the sky and there was a beautiful configuration of clouds that looked like a feather. I mean, it looked just like a feather and I took a picture of it and I was like, again, you know, but taking the time to notice and appreciate and share, right? Just like you invited me onto your podcast, which I appreciate. You gave me these questions. And so honestly, on my uh, morning time, I'm thinking about all these questions and I'm thinking about, you know, who was Becky back then? And, And the conclusion is, she's kind of an older version, maybe a slightly more educated version, but but pretty much the same person, hopefully learned something along the way from life lessons and hopefully more empathetic and kind and compassionate, but you know, pretty much the same. I love it. Yeah. And that it is from the past to the present to the future will still be the same underlying person that what, what God put on our fingerprint and on our heart and mind and soul, it's there. Like you can't run from it. You know, you have to, you have to be it. So that's really neat. Um, okay, last question that is around faith. Um, how would you describe or define faith and, and what role does faith play in your life? Yeah, so I think, you know, faith to me is is it's trusting in, you know, sort of a divine sense of order that we can't understand. But it's, you know, it's believing, I think, that, you know, there's a reason that we're here and that there is someone who loves us unconditionally beyond what we can even imagine or what we deserve, you know, the whole concept of grace. And I think, you know, for me, I I think at certain times in your life, when I 
have encountered, like I shared with you, you know, one, one buzzsaw moment from an earlier um, point, but every decade there's, there's big things, right? I think those are the times when I reflect back in my life where I have felt closest to God, you know, and whatever my interpretation was um, of him in that time. And whether it was, you know, in an organized fashion as, you know, a product of a Catholic school where it was kind of, you know, that was part of my life every day or later in life when I had more opportunity to choose. Um, it, it was even thinking about the difference between religion and, and God. And I do think they are different things, you know, that, that religions like education, like you can learn without ever going to school um, or you can enroll in some kind of an education. But I cannot imagine my life without a sense of faith and a sense of purpose. And I know people, we, I have friends that, um, you know, that's, that's not as much part of their life experience. And I feel like, oh my gosh, you're just missing so much. And, and I try to do what I can to model it if I get the opportunity um, to have those conversations. But I, I makes me sad people who've not been exposed to the importance and, and the life-changing gift, you know, that faith can have in a, in a person's yeah. life. And it, all it takes is a mustard seed of faith and just try it. That's right. Well, we've been having a great conversation with Dr. Rebecca Corbin, Becky, and uh, really enjoyed this conversation. If people want to get a hold of you, Rebecca, what would be the best way to reach you? Yeah, I mean, the best way would be, um, I'm on Twitter. All of my tweets are positive, by the way. Um, I don't engage in political conversations or anything like that. I, t I tweet about entrepreneurship and gardening and joyful things. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Rebecca Corbin 7 um, <clears throat> Or you can also check out our website at NACI, which is um, very simple. It's NACCE.com. And you can find me there, but you can also find a lot of really interesting resources about learn about community colleges, learn about entrepreneurship, learn about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's probably the two easiest ways to, to get a hold Excellent. Of well, thanks everybody for joining another Living Better Story podcast. And thank you, Dr. Rebecca. Corbin. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. <laughs>